Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 15th of April 2012, entitled Life. And the Bible reading is taken from James chapter 4, verse 14. It's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Okay, James chapter 4, verse 14, a familiar verse this evening. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Again, from James chapter 4 and verse 14. It says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Father, we do thank you so much again this evening. Lord, for the time that we have already had in your house, and Lord, for the time that we still have. We thank you for your word that is before us, for your spirit that is within us. We do pray now, Lord, that you know exactly why that you have, Lord, laid this message upon our hearts for this evening. You know the need of every heart that is here. We just pray, Lord, that you would do that which only you can do, that we would be receptive and responsive to what you have for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. It is one of those unusual experiences, I guess the sermon that I had been working on and preparing all week and thought that we were going to be looking at this evening. Uh, it was after going home from the, uh, from the outreach yesterday in the city center that uh, the Lord just took me in a totally different direction, and I kept trying to go back to what I already uh, had prepared, but uh, a simple thought this evening, and uh, I guess the last time that we looked at this passage was just over a year ago, and, uh, and I shared with you at the time that uh, I guess that I had uh, uh, had a very short time when we were going back for the funeral of Seth Beaver on the airplane, uh, trying to, to just think and pray so earnestly uh, for the Lord to give us direction as to what we might be able to say and look at. And of course, this was one of the verses that the Lord took us to. And, uh, and I guess oftentimes when we lose those around us that we care for, it reminds us of the brevity of life. Uh, no matter how old that we live to be, uh, life is brief. And of course, the Word of God here in the book of James compares it to a vapor, that bit of steam that we see that it comes up from the reaction of water that is being heating, and then that vapor, that steam comes up, and you see it for just a little while, and then it is gone. It disappears. And in fact, that's when we look at our lives, first of all, in comparison to just these earth years, it is brief. But boy, in comparison to eternity, how brief it is. I thought you might find this uh, interesting. Somebody calculated these, uh, these years of just taking a typical lifespan of 70 years of an estimate of how we spend those 70 years of our life. First of all, the most important thing that we spend time on is sleep. Approximately 23 years out of 70, 32.9% of our lives is spent sleeping Next in line comes work. Everybody loves work. We spend about 16 years of our lifetime actually working or a fourth of our life. 
The next one's real spiritual, TV. The average person will spend about eight years of their life watching TV. If you break that down, that's about 11.4%. And if you break down how much you watch out of a seven-day week or whatever many times, you find in perspective that, wow, that really is true, eight years out of a lifetime. Of course, we have to eat. Average person spends about six years of their life eating, 8.6%. About six years traveling, which is, again, 8.6%. For leisure things, about four and a half years or 6.5%. The average person spends about four years out of 70 years being sick uh, in some kind of illness, uh, 5.7%. You spend about two years of a 70-year life just getting dressed, uh, putting your clothes on and getting ready to do something else. Um, This one is what is such an eye-opener, though. Sometimes we think that we spend so much time for the Lord that in an average 70-year lifespan, Most people are lucky if they spend a half a year or seven-tenths of a percent of their life on some form of religion. And, of course, I think that you find that that figure would certainly go up with dedicated evangelical born-again Christians versus nominal Christians. And I'm sure this is just an average of everything. But, But then when you start, and if you really multiply those hours in a week and how many hours that we live in one week, and how many of that is really spent for the Lord, it is a frighteningly small percentage. Those figures were taken out of the daily bread back in 1992, and I'm sure they haven't changed a lot. A couple of quotes. This one I don't know who to give credit to, but it said, life is what happens to you while you're making other plans. Um, And we're always usually planning to do something else with our life, Uh, something that we plan to do tomorrow or next week or next month, but life goes on. Some may recognize the name Flip Wilson, uh, bygone years. He said, if I had my whole life to live over again, I don't think I'd have the strength to do it. (laughs) Sometimes I guess that by the time that we get to the end of life, we can feel like that there's not a lot left to give, to do. And one other one that I picked out especially for Brother Peter. This one was by some lady by the name of Irma Bombeck. Her simple advice was seize the moment. Remember all those women on the Titanic who waved off the dessert cart. <laughs> you know, we never know when that last moment is going to strike any of us. And life is brief, but life is precious. And life can be exciting. And we don't have to waste our years. I want to give you, first of all, this evening, I want to give you just a a simple acrostic of what life should consist of. Before doing that, I'd like to read you just a couple of other verses that you will surely recognize. First of all, the Apostle John wrote, uh, wrote in 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, and beginning with verse 9, he says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. 
For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, even if we are blessed with 70 years or 80 years or 100 years or whatever in this natural life, what we must be reminded of is if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ because of what God has given, that's real life. That's the eternal life. And suddenly we have no fear. If God takes us tomorrow, we are ready to meet God. If God takes us next week or next year or wherever along that line, His plan is perfect. But life suddenly, yes, this mortal life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then it vanishes away. But true life that we have in the Son of God, folks, it never vanishes. It never goes anywhere. He says that that is real life, and that's what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, that same apostle wrote in one of probably the most best-known verses in all of the Word of God in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. There's many things that we could say there. You know, the life that each and every one of us lives is something that, Bible is speaking here, you know, we can, we can do evil with our lives. We can do uh, sin comes pretty natural. We can try to avoid the light so that our life can stay in darkness. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are trying to live godly lives and holy lives, those lives that could be manifest in Him, then we desire not to hide away so somebody can't see what it is that we're really doing with our life, but that our life might be lived in the open, in the light, that others can see that life. I would say that 
according to these verses that we have already read. And according to what the prophet Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3, he simply puts it this way. In Jeremiah 31, 3, the word of God says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You see, the only real life that an individual can know is through love. It was because of love that God sent his son to give himself for us, that our life could be more than just a 70-year vapor that appeared for a little while and vanished away, but that that life might be something that would last for all of eternity. We find that just as surely, just as surely as God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, I believe that the things in our life, even in our temporal life, the things that are going to matter, the things that are going to bring real joy and real peace, they're not going to be the things that are done out of spite, out of anger, out of bitterness, out of disappointment, out of so many things that brings action in our lives, but those things that are going to matter, those things that are going to last, those things that are going to maybe be not only life for us, but life for someone else, is that simple thing called love, for which God loved us and gave us life. And you know, there are very few things in this world that can ever truly have an impact on another person's life like that of love, knowing that somebody cares. You see, we have a relationship with God because we can know We can know what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. We can know that God the Father loved us with a love, that he was willing to send his son to die on the cross to give us life. And so the first ingredient in a real life has got to be love, the love of God that was shown to us that gives us life, then the love that we return to God and the love that we show one another. But life is not just about love, not just any love, but life is about individuals. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him, whatever individual will believeth in him, they're the ones that are going to have that eternal life. You see, we can can know that love exists in a general way. You know, it's great to know that Somebody just has such a great heart and they just kind of love everybody. But it's something entirely different when you know that somebody loves you as an individual. And the same thing, you know, is that, oh, we can live in a loving environment and a loving world. But the thing that's going to really have an impact on our life is not just us as an individual and how God loved us, but how we love others as an individual. You know, so many times, so many times I was speaking to a friend recently. Somebody maybe pull that curtain up there. I'm suddenly in a halo here in the spotlight. I was speaking to someone 
about the fact that, you know, so many times in our lives, it's easy for us to base our love and our actions towards others, to base it upon what they deserve. The truth is, is that God's love is unconditional. There is nothing that you can think of that anybody should be able to do to you that would take away your love for them. Now, that's pretty awesome when you think about it. There is nothing we can do to make God stop loving us. It is impossible for God to love you any more than he loves you right now. And it's impossible for God to love you any less than he loves you right now. Because he loves you with a perfect love. But he tells us that we're to love our neighbor. He tells us that we're to love and, and, and pray for those that despitefully use us. I'm saying life is about individuals. But the eye in life is not just about individuals, but as individuals, it's about influence. Every one of our lives would influence others around us in some way. How is our life influencing others? Think of the people in your life that have influenced you. The simple truth is, you can look at me and you can see, you can make a whole list of some good things and a whole lot of bad things probably. But the truth is, I am who I am today because of many different influences. Influences that started at home with parents that loved the Lord. Influences that came from people within a church that loved and cared and tried to teach in the things of God, influence that came from other family and friends, influence that came from education and the way that we're taught and educated in this world, influence that came from the experiences that we go through many times orchestrated by other people in other circumstances, but we are who we are because of the influences of so many things in our life. And we need to recognize that the greatest influence that our life can have is God. Are we who we are because that we've spent more time with God, that he might be the greatest influence in our life? Rather than the influence, you know, we can be influenced negatively or positively. You can be influenced in your life because of the negativity of others. Why does the Bible speak so much about the dangers of bitterness, about the dangers of gossip, about the dangers of the tongue? Because of that influence. You know that other people can influence you and your relationship with God and your relationship with church just because of their negative input? You know what bad thing this person's done or what bad thing that person's done? Do you know that you can influence others in their relationship with God and their church because of voicing those negative things? The Bible's very simple. If you can't say something good, don't say it. <laughs> Bible's very simple. If you see that there's something bad there that's bothering you, it's sin to tell anybody else about it except the person that's done it that bothers you. Influences. Life is about love, first off and foremost. The only way we can know true life is through the love of God in sending his son for us. 
Love is something that in our lives will impact us and those around us more than anything else because life is about influences, the influences on us. And I say to you that so many times we're allowing all those hours of TV and work and all those other things to influence our lives more than the time that we spend with God. What is influencing our life to make it what it is? Because the things that we spend our time doing, they will make us who we are. Life, love, individuals, influence, the F. Of course, it's about faith. What did he say there in John 3, 18? He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. He that believeth on him. You see, we've looked at that verse so many times in Ephesians. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Faith is the only way. It's the only way to get there. We find that faith is not only necessary for us to come to life, to experience that life that is everlasting, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the, verse, the Bible tells us this. Notice what he says beginning in verse 1. He says, for we know that if our earthly house, this body, of this tabernacle were dissolved, if that vapor's gone, if it comes and it disappears. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Hey, you don't really see me standing before you this evening. This is just my house, my tabernacle that I live in. And the simple truth is, is that if before this service comes to a close, if this tabernacle that I live within, if it dissolves, if it ceases to be, if it falls over right here in front of you, folks, I'm not here because I have a home that's not made with hands that's eternal in the heavens. And that's what life needs to be about. What we have that is beyond this temporal. He says, for in this, in this earthly tabernacle, we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. You see, it's different. We're not groaning and desiring and begging for life to cease, for it to no longer be, but to go ahead and get rid of this mortality and put on the immortality. That's what we desire not to cease to be, but beginning, to begin to be in that life that is immortal, in that tabernacle that truly is clean and holy. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit, Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, 
not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You see, it's not just by faith that we come to know life, true life, life eternal in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we walk by faith and not by sight. We live by faith day by day by day because we know there's more than this, folks. doesn't matter what circumstances are. It doesn't matter how bad that things get. It's temporary. It's just a vapor that appears for a little while and it will vanish away. But the important thing is to know that that's not the end of life, but that's the beginning of life immortal, something that is beyond this world. It's a new hope. It's a hope that the world does not have. You see, life. Life is about love and individuals and influence and faith and family. Family. You know, I've heard it often said that no church anywhere is any stronger than the weakest link or the weakest family. <laughs> and the truth is, is that, yes, family is vital. Family, knowing that you belong, knowing that you're part of. We all know how important that is to us in this life. But even beyond that, you see, you live as part of a family, but you live as part of God's family. We have another family, a spiritual family. You know, I, I, I love my physical family. I, I could not even put into words how much that I love my wife and my children. I couldn't express it. It's impossible. I couldn't express to you how much that I love my, my family, my, my, my mother that's still living, my dad that's already in his heavenly home my brothers and sisters and all those family members and your list are the same. There are those people that how could you really express that love? You see, that's what the family of God is supposed to be about too. Part of a family where you're accepted no matter what. They're not there to find out what you're doing wrong. They're there to help you be more and to do better. That's what God, our Father, wants to do for us. That's what we should be striving to do one another. Life. Because life is about love. And it's about individuals and influence. And it's about faith and family. And folks, it's about eternity. It is about eternity. Life. Yes, life here is like that vapor that appeareth for a little while and then it just vanishes away. But life is so much more than that. But I want to give you something else this evening as we wrap up with this other thought. And I preached a whole sermon on this, maybe a couple. I don't know how long it took me to get through it. At, le at least one some years back, I guess. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, the Word of God says, according to the eternal purpose of, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God has an eternal purpose. What is a purpose? Well, technically it's the reason for which something exists or is done or is made. 
the purpose. You know, you stop and think about it. There's a purpose behind everything that you do. There's a purpose behind getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> Whatever it is that you're going to do. There's a purpose behind getting washed and putting your clothes on and brushing your teeth. There's a purpose. There's a purpose behind having that piece of toast or that full English breakfast, whatever you, you do in the mornings. When we stop and think about it, everything that we do has some reason, some purpose. The Bible tells us, we sang about this earlier, that he created us in his image. We're created in the image of God. Why were we created in the image of God? It wasn't so you can waste your life. It was so that you could bring glory to him. In Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We get the focus on me too many times. I'm saying we need to be reminded, folks, God has an eternal purpose. Just as he has offered us eternal life, he has an eternal purpose that was for your life, and he purposed it. In the Lord Jesus Christ himself, you see, whatever it is, and I, I, you know, I don't know. You know, God knows a lot of things that he never shares with us. I don't know what your need is today. I know this. I know that the Lord didn't change my track and bring me to this thought instead of the one that I was going to look at because he knew who was going to be here this evening and he knew there was somebody here that was going to need something from these verses that we're looking at. I know that. I don't know what your need is. Maybe there's somebody here that's discouraged. And you just need to be encouraged by these thoughts. Maybe you're here and in some area of your life you're just growing weary. And you just need to be strengthened. Maybe, on the other hand, maybe you're here this evening and your life is being wasted. Maybe you need a fresh challenge from God's Word this evening. Maybe you need, like sometimes my dad used to tell me, and he'd show me his foot, and he said that I needed a kickstart. <laughs> sometimes the Lord needs to give us a little kickstart. Maybe you just need a kickstart this evening. God's got something great to do with you and for your life. Maybe even here this evening. I know all of you. And I know that as far as I know, you're all saved and on your way to heaven. But I don't know your heart this evening. Maybe you're just simply living that life that is nothing but a vapor that appears for a little while and then it will vanish away. Maybe this evening God is wanting you to understand, hey, you don't know that you've got that life eternal. You don't know that you've got something beyond that vapor that you're experiencing right now. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, again, according to the eternal 
purpose, which he, God, purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. He wrote this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, who hath saved us, he saved us, and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus, not when you said that prayer, not when you got saved, but before the world began. Folks, that's awesome. God has an eternal purpose that is fulfilled through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the one that saved you. He's the one that called you with a holy calling. Not because of what you're capable of, what you have done, or what you can and will do, but according to his own purpose. That is an eternal purpose. And according to his grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God had a plan. God had a purpose for you and for your life. In Titus chapter 1, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began your salvation, your eternal life. God promised it before this world even came into existence. I think he loved you pretty much. And he had the plan in place. The Lord, our Savior, he gave promise. If God made a promise before that the world even began, and he promised before man was even created, before that anybody anywhere even knew that you existed, before you ever came out of your mother's womb, I'm saying God, according to these scriptures, had an eternal purpose for your life, not a purpose just for these years that this vapor appears and vanishes away. God's purpose was eternal. But his purpose in Jesus Christ is that you have life eternal and therefore an eternal purpose for your life. God is continually working for his plan to come to pass. Remember those words in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 16, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. God's eternal purpose centers in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.18, And all things are of God, 
who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, the individual, through faith, that's part of life, real life, the individual through faith in Jesus Christ can secure God's eternal purpose for his or her individual life without it. God's eternal purpose for you for eternity might be totally missed. Regardless of what you might be accomplishing with your life, regardless of how successful that it seems in the eyes of man and maybe in your own heart. You see, you and everything about you without Jesus Christ, you're lost for eternity. God's purpose is that you have life eternal. And God has an eternal purpose for your life. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. John 17, 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. We forget a lot of times. God gives us life. And he gives us life everlasting, life eternal. God has an eternal purpose through his son, Jesus Christ. It's through that son that you can experience that life that he's offering you. I'm asking you this evening, what's God's eternal purpose for your life? You see, when it comes right down to it, Whatever else you do with it, you're doing it in the flesh. In this life, <laughs> just remember the next time that you're boiling that kettle and you see it just as it reaches the boil and you see that puff of vapor come up and then it's gone. That's all life is. Whatever you do with it, man, in light of eternity, <laughs> it's not even a blink. It's a lot less than that. But God has an eternal purpose for you. And God's offered you eternal life. And if you've taken that eternal life, and I'm saying that in this little flash, in this little vapor that we've got here on this earth, I believe for every individual, 
God has an eternal purpose for you, a purpose for your life. Oh, and that's what you need to know. That's what you need to find. That's what you need to be centered on. That's what's going to matter. That's what's going to make life worth living. God's purpose for you. What does God want for you? What does God want to do with you? We've seen all those statistics, how that we, we spend most of that vapor that we've got on things that don't have anything to do with God whatsoever. Sure, some of them are necessary, but a lot of them are just wasted. What's God's eternal purpose for you this evening? What's God want to do with you? We're going to sing the verses of this closing hymn. Just going to sing three verses. You know, really, maybe this evening, whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that God is wanting to say to you, you know, the one thing, whether it's for salvation or whether it's as a child of God that is coming before his Father, saying, okay, God, you know, you had all this planned out before anything even came into existence. You had a plan and a purpose for me. Lord, I, I don't know if up until this point, <laughs> have I wasted that purpose? Has my life really been what it needs to be, what's what it's important to be? Maybe this evening, just as the songwriter said, maybe you need to come to God and say, Lord, just as I am, <laughs> just as I am right here, I'm yours, just as I am. If it's to gain that life eternal, that's the only way you can come is just like you are. Christian, if you know enough to be saved, you know enough already. It's not what you can do, it's what God can do. God wants you to come to him and say, Lord, just like I am, I'm giving you my life. I want your purpose in my life. I want what you want to do with me. Father, we do thank you so much. Lord, I know that these thoughts have been a bit scattered, to say the least. And Lord, I know that without any shadow of a doubt, Lord, that this is the direction that you took us in yesterday, and I trust and pray that, Lord, for whatever purpose that it was for, Lord, not the words of this preacher, but that you've been able to take your word, the word of God, by the power of your spirit, and meet that purpose in the hearts and lives of these here this evening. Now, as we come before you, Lord, and sing this final song, I pray, Lord, that we sing the truths from our heart, but I pray even more than that, that if you've spoken to us, we will respond. There might be somebody here this evening that just needs to come down and kneel in this altar and recommit their life to you. Maybe it's just that, Lord, they're walking close with you, but well, they're not sure. They, they want that eternal purpose, and that's, that's the focus of what they want this evening. Well, maybe there's one here that's never truly been saved, and they don't have that assurance, and they don't want to leave here not knowing that this evening. Or whatever it is, help us. When we leave this place this evening, we can leave here in a rightful relationship with the life that you've given to us, not just that one that appears for a little while like that vapor and then vanishes away, but that one that is life everlasting, that is life eternal, that we are determined that this life that we have will be lived according to your eternal purpose for us. 
It was in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <music>